"'Twas the night before Christmas went all through the house. "'Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. "'The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, "'in hopes that St Nicholas soon would be there. "'Well, I'm Paul, uh, not St Nicholas, "'and this, this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast.' Well, I have to admit, that poem written by Clement Clark Moore back in 1822 for his own kids is my favourite poem of this time of year. I don't know how many books I've bought that feature it. I don't know how many posters and things I must have had as a child. There's something about the magic, the imagery in his words, the way he conjures up, for me, the smell of Christmas. Every time I hear it, I can smell mince pies and mulled wine. Don't ask me why the senses are connected that way. But I absolutely love his words and the rhythm of it. Um, sadly, I am not the kind of person who could read that. And I was intending <laughs> I was intending to sit down and rewrite it for these COVID times. Uh, but I never had the time, uh, nor the talent, uh, I would warrant. Uh, but I thought it would be funny. Uh, and certainly, uh, it was the night before Christmas and it's just me and the kids would be, would be fairly appropriate. Or it's just us and the kids, because of course, uh, we're not going anywhere. Uh, Lots of last minute changes. Uh, The last podcast I recorded was just before the last lockdown and this one is during this lockdown. Although the government is at great pains to point out this is not a national lockdown because there are at least three people who are allowed to mix uh, pretty much the rest of the nation is shut down and some of that happened at really short notice Uh, we only had a couple of hours uh, in which to figure out how we were going to deal with it Uh, so uh, yeah we heard the news and I think we heard the news at five o'clock on Saturday myself and Sarah were in the studio finishing up some work for clients Uh, luckily it was the last few bits Uh, I didn't have any I did I had one subsequent shoot there's one shoot that was due on the Monday and on the Saturday we went into tier four and sure enough first thing Sunday morning I had an email from the client saying that that particular gig uh, was cancelled which is a shame because it was very specific uh, to Christmas and it was something that if we shot it this year will be used um, over the following years uh, but it is what it is. Uh, I couldn't do much about it. So as soon as we heard the news uh, on the, uh, this was on the Saturday night. Myself and Sarah legged it. <laughs> legged it. I don't know if that's a colloquialism. I don't know if some, uh, we ran or well we drove uh, to the shops that were just uh, closing down, and it looked like quite a few people were doing the same thing, because at the last second we discovered that we were going to be locked in to the degree where we can't go anywhere. Uh, No shops will be open except for food shops uh, and we are under essentially uh, house rules. We're not allowed out of the house except for good reasons. So to go for for exercise so the dog will get walked uh, or to go get food. Uh, Can't see anybody over Christmas. We're tier four. So to the rest of the world, uh, our government, much like many governments around the world, broke us into tiers, uh, tier four being the most severe. And that's essentially Christmas it isn't. It can't cancel Christmas. <laughs> Christmas is Christmas, uh, but certainly we won't be seeing anybody except the people we live with. Now, luckily for me, uh, that is me, Sarah, and our beautiful kids. 
Uh, but I'm uh, we're also, for instance, keeping an eye on uh, Bob, our neighbour next door, who lives on his own, and I am sure he was looking forward to seeing his family, and now is not allowed to. So he can't. We can't see him either. It's not that we can visit him, but uh, we will certainly make sure he has a big old Christmas dinner because we went out on uh, on Saturday straight as soon as we started to hear the news. As soon as the news was breaking, uh, we went and. Uh, got ourselves a turkey <laughs> because we suddenly realised we hadn't bought anything we needed for Christmas because we were due to be uh, seeing relatives and each of us was providing different bits. Uh, so we went out and bought a, t- uh, a turkey and uh, actually there was tons of them. I was panicking, but nope, there were tons of them. Uh, the shelf was laden. And although this all sounds really miserable, you do have to remember that this is all being done, all of it, to save lives and of course to ease the pressure on the NHS, on our National Health Service, because the problem isn't just that COVID-19 is a pretty nasty virus to get, but it's also that if the hospitals are full, they cannot help you. And so we have to throttle it back. I understand the rationale. I have poured over the data. You know what I'm like. I'm a data junkie. And it's not just about trying to stop the transmission. We can't stop the transmission. In fact, it's not a good thing to stop the transmission. Uh, The transmission in the end, herd immunity in the end, whether it's derived from actually catching it or derived from a vaccine, is what's going to bring us out of this thing. The problem is if we all get it at once, there's no way, no way that the medical services can cope. And so I understand it. It doesn't stop it being a shame. It doesn't stop it being something we didn't necessarily foresee way back in... February, March, when the story of this pandemic was first breaking. Uh, I was in Oxford uh, a while back and I saw, kid you not, I saw an anti-vac protest on the streets. There was a very posh lady uh, with a megaphone and a clipboard touting the merits of not wearing face masks, of not socially distancing and of not getting the vaccine when it's available. But she was doing all of this without a single solitary jot of real evidence for anything that she was saying and I have to admit it made me really sad because of course it's easy to say these things but the damage that's being done while the story is fake the damage is very real because if people don't wear masks if people don't keep their distance if people don't follow these rules people will be ill and people sadly will die and they are dying it's really important that It's really important that we all have a good, honest, scientific debate about this thing. It's not politics, and I hate it. I hate the politics and prejudice and biases gets involved. At the end of the day, we need to look at the data, raw, hard, just data, um, about how this thing transmits uh, and how we can get through it. And sadly... It didn't seem very festive. <laughs> she was stood on the street corner with a megaphone uh, with people clapping her. I couldn't believe it. This is Oxford. It's one of the, the great seats of, Lon- of learning in the world. You know, Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard. You know, these are great institutions, these, these cities or towns around universities. And here we are listening to, well, what can only be described as complete and utter pap. Uh, so the past few weeks... Uh, up until this lockdown, I've actually been crazy busy, which isn't necessarily a good thing. So we get to this time of year every year, and all I actually want to do is be really Christmassy. I just want to feel festive. I'm one of those people, I've said this before in a podcast, I think, that uh, you get close to Christmas and suddenly I'm like, every, everywhere I look is like a Dickensian novel. I swear I see people in top hats and holly and wreaths on doors and choirs uh, singing 
candlelit choirs singing on street corners and snow everywhere. Of course, it's not like that, but in my head it is. And so we were planning December to be pretty quiet so that I could really enjoy Christmas or enjoy the build up to Christmas and do some shopping. And of course, uh, everything has piled up against me to to make that not possible because November we were in lockdown, December we were just swamped. So we've been working out flat we've been working flat out with the hearing dogs to try and fill their void of imagery as because of course all of the volunteers who also supply imagery to them have been locked down as well. Uh, we've been all over the place with those uh, I've done some training days, various bits and pieces, and so usually, usually we we are shut down in December. Uh, but this year we really didn't shut down until we were forcibly shut down uh, on Saturday. Uh, has been just uh, busy, and so the one regret of that, of course, it, <laughs> I have to be careful here because as a business, the last thing you want to be saying is I hate being busy because of course I love being busy, but I did have in the diary. A haircut. <laughs> I had. I was getting a bit. It's getting a bit long. I thought, right, I'll have a really nice haircut for Christmas. Go and see my friend Cat, who's who we've been working with for fifteen years, I think now. So uh, I had a haircut booked, and then a client needed that date for a shoot. So I moved my haircut. I moved the haircut back so I could obviously look after the client. Everyone teaches you look after the clients. They're the most important, and they are. Uh, did the shoots, rescheduled my haircut, and of course, you know the punchline, the haircut has been cancelled because we've now been locked down. So once again this year, <laughs> once again this year, I'm looking really shaggy and there's no end in sight. I do not know when I'm going to be able to get a haircut, and so once again, my COVID crop uh, is just going to have to be uh, what it is. So anyway, it's Christmas Eve as I'm recording this. It is 10 o'clock in the morning. The sun is streaming in through the windows. It's a cold, really crisp morning here. A client, an American client actually, has just come and really excitedly picked up the last set of frames to go out before Christmas. So as I look out, it's not quite a snowy day, but at least it does feel a little seasonal. It's cold for a start. It stopped raining and now it's just really, really, really chilly. I am always always jealous of uh, all of you out there who have snow at this time of year. Uh, We don't typically and I wish we did. I did read an article somewhere that says that Dickens wrote a Christmas carol during one of those rare periods when it was snowy and icy in London over the Christmas period. I think they called them like a mini ice age. You've seen the pictures of people skating on the Thames and all of that stuff. Well he wrote a Christmas carol during one of those periods. And of course, ever since then, it's entered into the British psyche, and mine in particular, of having a white Christmas. We associate Christmas with snow. And actually, statistically, it is far more common to have snow at Easter rather than at Christmas. So actually, we should be dreaming of Easter eggs in snow, not dreaming of Christmas trees in snow. But that one novel, that one book really defined our entire view of Christmas. And, well, you know, (laughs) I can't help it. I can dream, can't I? Uh, Anyway, this Christmas, of course, it's the four of us at home. And if last night is anything to go by, it's going to be very funny. Uh, Now, I don't know how it came up. When I was shooting one of my clients, uh, the really lovely Ethel, I was shooting a lady called Ethel and her husband, Bill, uh, on a ship... I can't remember where we were in the world, but we were somewhere hot. And the topic of limoncello came up 
I've no idea. Honestly, I have no idea how that happened, but it came up. And she said she makes it every year, and I sort of managed to blag the recipe out of her. And ever since then, we've made it. Uh, we've made limoncello. It's a really beautiful recipe. It's sweet. It's quite sticky when it's really cold. Uh, it has that real tang of lemons. We've made a lemon version and an orange version. Uh, and of course, it's really, 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 really alcoholic. Uh, so last night, um, uh, we cracked the, the limoncello and the orangecello. And we're laughing and drinking with this icy cold liqueur. <laughs> watching, and I kid you not, watching Mamma Mia. Now, I hate the film. I really just... Harriet wanted to watch it. I've said no. Harriet's our daughter. I've said no. Uh, of course, I got overruled. And yet, I hate the film. And somehow... Somehow, Bjorn and Benny's music just scoops me up. And before I know it, I'm singing along with the rest of them. Uh, frankly, I blame Ethel's recipe for limoncello. Either way, Christmas won't be as we planned. It won't be what we anticipated. It won't be the great Christmas dinner with all of our family around us. But at least I have the four of us. And they are the four, my four favourite people in the entire world. So if I'm going to spend it with anyone... I'm glad I'm spending it with them. And last night, we were just killing ourselves laughing. Here's hoping that today, Christmas Eve, and tomorrow, Christmas Day, it's exactly the same. Uh, now, I'm not one of those people who really gets on with this. There's a lot of this around, this kind of positivity thing. I'm not negative, and I'm not positive, I suppose, about COVID. It is what it is. Uh, I'd rather we didn't have it. Um, I'm sure there are lots of little things that have come out of it that are good. But in the end, really, we don't want this thing. Um, and I really, I find social media really hard because I hop on and there's all of these, you know, it's the new normal. And well, working from home is the new way forwards. And if we hadn't had the pandemic, we would never have learned this. Well, lots of people, including our daughter, are going stir crazy <laughs> working from home and not having actual social contact i've been watching films and in the films everyone's hugging and i'm a hugger right i'm a people person um i like the contact i like being around people i like laughing and drinking and being around people and i'm missing it if i'm honest i am looking forward to tomorrow i think it's going to be a lovely day we will eat well we will drink we will laugh we will watch crap tv because frankly everyone stopped making any tv this year there's almost nothing on uh but it'll still be one of a limited number of Christmases, right? We're only on the planet. If I'm lucky, if I'm lucky, I'll get to my 70s. Um, I'd love to think I'll get a bit further, but, you know, you learn from experience that not everyone gets there. So I only have, let's say, 70 Christmases, and I'm not going to let this one go to waste. It's going to be a good one. And one thing that has come out from this year for me is how much I crave to be working. And that's an odd thing to say, I suppose. And if you have a job that you don't like, nobody would understand it. But I crave to be working. And although we have been really seriously impacted, just like every other photography business out there, I have loved the actual shoots I've been able to do more than ever. Each session has been more valuable to me. Each moment is there to be completely cherished and wrap my arms around it because it's an opportunity to talk to people, to meet people, even if it's at two metres or three metres or whatever distance we're using to keep safe and to take pictures. And every second is there to be made the most of. And honestly, this year, 
I think I've produced more images that at least I think are worthy of being in our portfolio than in any other year. And we've done it from far fewer shoots. I don't know quite why or how, but there's been something about this year that I've really just been fired up and really, really wanted to create more than ever. Maybe it's just the scarcity of it. I don't know. And during a masterclass I ran uh, a week or so ago, the model Esme asked of myself and uh, Lloyd, who was the person who, uh, who uh, we were running the masterclass for, who happened to be Esme's uncle. And she asked a very simple but a profound question, really. Why do we take pictures? She looked at both of us, uh, Lloyd, an amateur, me, a professional. Why do we take pictures? And it's really profound, particularly when it's your living. Now, on my notes here, I write notes for these podcasts. I've just written discuss. <laughs> I've put a few other notes. Um, I don't really script the podcast. Sometimes I do. Occasionally I do. If it's something I have to get right, I will script it. Uh, this one isn't scripted so much as just sort of uh, there's little jot notes. Uh, to, get, <laughs> to So I don't just wander off the topic. And I've just written discuss. Uh, so I sort of get into my head as if it was that conversation. She asked us why I did it. And my answer is I'm externally referenced. Now, I know this. I've done uh, when I worked as a consultant in the city as uh, others of you in similar careers will know, you do psych tests, various psychological and profile tests. And one thing that came out really clear in mine is that I'm externally referenced. It was one of the reasons uh, I was really fairly successful in the job that I did because um, Accenture, who I worked for, we used to laugh about it. They basically employed insecure overachievers. So people who are very good at what they did, but felt really insecure and felt they weren't doing a good job. Well, that is me. I'm on the middle of that description. <laughs> totally insecure, terrified the entire time, and yet generally overachieving. I'm externally referenced. And what that means is I crave others to value what I do. That's what drives me and my creativity. It's a funny thing, but it's that moment when you show someone the picture and it makes them smile they say that's a great picture not necessarily of them I've learned over the years that showing someone a picture of themselves and hoping they love it well that's a tough gig it does happen of course it happens we do have those clients and it's, that is a truly wondrous thing particularly I've got one client at the moment she asked me not to use her full name uh, so I've just agreed I will call her G the letter G, which actually I think is quite cool. <laughs> so from now on, this lady's called G. Uh, I will post a blog on our normal site about her, paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk, because she came, I've known her for years. She came for her first shoot with her firstborn, and I've been photographing her and her family ever since. And in that first shoot, she was really quite insecure. She was a new mum and was really worried about the changes to her and her body that that had brought. Ignoring all of the fact that she brought joy, this this bundle of joy to the world, and being a mum is such a cool thing. She was insecure about the way she looked. And I said, oh, come back. for a, Just come back and do a shoot, just you. And we'll focus on all of the right things. We will just make it like a fashion-y kind of shoot, bring your outfits, a little bit of makeup, just come. I don't know how many years ago that was, six, five, six, possibly more. Well, she came back. She came back this year 
uh, she's had a second child. I've photographed all of this uh, and her family. And I eventually persuaded her to come back. And it was, for me, singularly the, the, the highlight shoot, I think, of the year because she loved the pictures. And, and more importantly for her, though not necessarily for me, when she showed the slideshow to her kids, they cried because of how beautiful mum looked. They saw what I saw. And hopefully now, G sees the same thing that I've always seen. She's beautiful. She just radiates this warmth and life and spirit and joy. <laughs> she is just wonderful. And we caught it. We caught the laughter. We caught the dancing. We caught the just raw energy that this lady has. And that is what fuels it. That is if you could put that in a bottle and drink it, everyone would be motivated every single day. It would be like the best chemical ever uh, because it's the ultimate external reference. Not just that she liked the pictures I took of her, her kids liked the way she looked in the pictures that I took of her. And that is so fundamental to this. That's my particular thing. It's a, That's just one example of of external referencing but for me it's a profound one particularly as a portrait photographer when I specialize in taking pictures of people faces I occasionally when I'm on holiday I'll take pictures of scenes and people you know someone says they really love it or it's a beautiful image of Venice or Miami or wherever I've been um although I care it isn't the same but when you take a picture of a person and someone says how beautiful that is. For whatever reason, that's my drug. That's the chemistry that keeps me going. I mean, as a business now, of course, there are other things. Money comes into it. The The sales side of it also is part of it. But even as a pro, that's not why I take pictures. If it was all about the money, I'd have stayed in the city and carried on doing what I was doing because I earned a lot more back then. Um, and, you know, if it was about the money, that's the way to make money. This is not that. This is about the joy and the passion of it. I have a need, a real need. <laughs> that sounds really weird. Now I'm just sounding needy. I have a real need to create images. Or to, I mean, to create in general. I've always, I trained as a product designer. It's not a coincidence. Uh, and of course, I worked as a musician. And I think there's a similar psychology. Uh, I'm due to interview a couple of musicians in the coming months, although this, this lockdown has somewhat changed our plans. And I'm sure they'll say the same thing. There is a need to create, whether it's music. Uh, I'm also hoping to interview a writer. Um, I'm sure they will say the same thing. There's a need to create. It's like a drug. Um, it, you know, even when you do it as an amateur, it's this thing. It's a hobby. It's the thing. It's your release. And then becomes pro. And of course, now I have to do it every day of the week. But the actual taking of pictures hasn't changed. Creating imagery hasn't changed. The why I do it is simply because I do. I love it. Why do I get excited when I see beautiful light? Well, honestly, honestly, I have no idea. I don't know what it is. I don't know why that would be the thing for me. I see a face, I see some light, and I just, I just want to take pictures. It's the same sensation as when I hear certain songs or read a great book or even, for me, even the smell of certain things will set my heart rate clattering. Uh, new mown grass is one uh, in the spring in particular. And of course, at this time of year, the smell of log fires uh, with smoke rising into a wintry sky. That for me, 
I just find it, there's something about it. it. It just makes me really, really happy. And if you think about it, if you think about it, very little, and in fact, there's nothing I can think of that, that what I'm trying to say is the things that make us smile, the things that excite us are all abstract. They are words or music or flavors or images or sensations or holding someone's hand or a hug or a joke or just being in the presence of someone that lifts your spirits. They're all abstract. They're not, they're not like someone injects you with a drug. Though I, mean, I guess those things are out there. I've never done it, but I guess those things are out there too. But what it does with your head, the, the chemistry in your head. And so the joy of photography for me is something, it's something that's intangible, but it's that thing when other people love what I've created. And of course, I'm back to external referencing. Now as a business, I guess these days, I do also get excited about the sales room. I know there's not many photographers say that, but why not, right? It's at the heart of my business and I love the sales room. I love the process um, and the mechanics of making someone happy, but them also buying some stuff from us. So still spreading joy, we're still lifting their spirits, we're still showing pictures that they are going to value and cherish. Honestly, this week, because it's been all pickups in the back end of this week, even this morning, um, the guy who came to pick up the pictures I took for him, he held onto those boxes. He's so excited about them. And it's such a lovely thing. That excitement is what we do. At the end of the day, he paid for my services. He paid for me to create some pictures for him. And yet the reaction is one of complete and utter joy. And as I've learned to enjoy that process more, the sales room, I almost, I honestly, I almost look forward to it as much as the shoot these days. Not quite. I'm never going to love sitting in a room as much as I love being outdoors uh, with a camera in my hand. But the excitement of knowing we've done our job well, we've educated the client from the beginning to the end. There's no surprises. They're comfortable. We're comfortable. They love their pictures. All we're talking about is what is going to hang on their walls. And I love all of that too. But I take pictures for the same reasons I always have. I just wake up and I just want to create images every day without fail. For me, at least, I suppose, uh, this year has been one of trying to remember that that really is a gift. Originally, going way back, all I wanted to do was to take pictures. And here I am doing the very thing that I absolutely love. And for that, I think I have to be grateful. And I think anyone who gets to do any of what they love needs to be grateful for it. So while I'm not a huge fan of all of this <laughs> sort of almost fake positivity about this year, there are things, there are little things, little nuggets that I hang on to. And one for me is that the interaction we've had with our clients, the pictures I've created and their reaction to it has been this year actually has been one of the best years we've ever had. It hasn't, we haven't been in a position to translate that into a bigger business a busier business. We haven't. We've been locked down, I think now, for five months out of 12. And there's no business in the world could say that's a great business year. But I still have loved the bits I have been able to do. And it's that desire to take pictures that really has kept me going. I am lucky that my living happens to also be my passion. <laughs> I am equally lucky uh, that I get to sit here and 
witter on about it. I've written in my notes, talk about it, but of course I'm just wittering because when you put a line that says discuss, uh, it's always going to be a bit random what I come up with. So apologies if I'm just meandering around, but it has been quite a year. And I know, I do know these podcasts have been a little bit more sporadic, sporadic, sporadic than I would have liked, but thank you. Thank you to everyone who has emailed in or messaged me or DM'd me or rang to say how much they enjoyed them. The fact that other people are out there listening is the reason we do these. I originally I recorded it because it was just me and I love audio. It's another one of those things. I really like audio. Um, but as it's grown and people started to email in, it's just, it lifts my heart. It's just a lovely thing. So if you're listening to this, thank you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for emailing in when you do. Thank you for being on the other end of a stream of audio and getting something out of this. In particular, in this podcast, this particular episode, thank you to Stephen from Hound Dog Photography down in Plymouth in Devon, which happens to be where my wife is from. So maybe that's why I've picked out this one particular comment. Uh, he put a comment on, uh, it was on a picture on Instagram, that he was getting withdrawal symptoms from the podcast Oh my, I'm really sorry. I didn't realise that people actually got withdrawal symptoms from it. Uh, but thank you. I'm assuming he's being slightly ironic. Uh, but thank you anyway, because it did jolt me into recording this uh, episode on Christmas Eve. Uh, on a, as an aside, please do, please do go and check out Stephen's website. Uh, it's houndogimages.co.uk. He has some beautiful pictures of dogs Um on there he works down in the west country so if you happen to be down in the west country i can recommend you go and have a look at his work oh well if you're in the west country and you have a dog or you're into dog photography <laughs> go and have a look at his website if you're into cars no, less so uh, but anyway thank you to Stephen for dropping that in and thank you to everybody thank you to everyone who has listened this year thank you to everyone who has sent me messages to everyone we have mentored or run master classes for or have answered questions to to everyone who has brought me so much joy over the year that's the trick that's the bit i think that yes as a business our job is to bring joy to others but that very process and the process of running the podcast and the process of mentoring and teaching and all of the things we do the feedback we get from you brings us the same joy that we do for our clients so from all around the world all of those comments that we get whether you're in the states whether you're in australia new zealand whether you're in uh, the Middle East, I'm trying to think of all the places I've got emails from, uh, whether, of course, you're in the UK, whether you're across in Asia, thank you. Thank you from us sitting here on a beautiful, crisp, sunny Christmas Eve when, if you look out that window, it's easy to forget that we're still in the midst of a really, really bad uh, pandemic. So with my glass of sherry, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. All right. It is my seasonal guilty pleasure, a glass of sherry. I do love sherry at this time of year. I don't think I drink sherry for the entirety of the rest of the year. But once a year, bottles of the stuff, I will sit with my sherry and I will toast each and every one of you. I will toast your good health and may each and every one of you have the most wonderful and loving Christmas. I hope you're well. I hope you're safe. And whatever else, remember, be kind to yourself. Take care.